Welcome into the final edition of New Track Record Podcast for 2022. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. Did you finish your Christmas shopping? I, I did. Did you? I did. I was looking for one item that could not be found as a stocking stuffer, but I had been looking for this item for several weeks. So uh-huh. it was one of those seasonal items. That, uh-huh. So something know, for me, know. I presume. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> something uh, for your stocking. Yes, now, absolutely. What is the approach now as a newlywed? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long that, that moniker can be used. I don't know if it's a year or so, but what's the, the gift situation then for your spouse and her for you? Yeah. So we like set like a budget, Okay. Number. And it, I mean, it's gone up over the years, but we set a budget now. This also includes like stuff for stockings, which is something she really wanted to do, but all in about $150. Okay. And nobody's ever broken the rules, gone over 150 for a special occasion. It's it's like happened. Nobody's. It's a guideline. It's not like a hard and fast, but like nobody's went out and dropped five hundred bucks on something. No, 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 no. All right, that's that's never a concern. You know, we at home, wife and I, don't get gifts for each other. It started when we were young, Mm -hmm. uh, just newlyweds, and had Noah, and it was we were in a situation where we just didn't have any much extra money, and we said, you know, we don't need anything, whatever, and it's just kind of continued. And uh, let me tell you, it is liberating. (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you what is all right. You're not giving me anything. Okay, cool. We're we're set. All right, another year, and yeah, we just it's it's for the kids. It's not for us. So um, that's one less thing you got to worry about. It's not super hard for me now because she'll tell me stuff. That, like, you guys she are both wants. laid back. Like there's not yeah. a lot of pressure on that. No, right? no, no, no. Yeah, it, no. It's, she already knows what I got her. She knew a long time ago because the box literally that shipped said yeah. what it was and she expected me to get that for her well and you had to poke holes in it so it could breathe and, and all that stuff i'm sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah 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 <laughs> of course but yeah you guys are pretty laid back so no, nothing crazy so no. yeah i imagine it's um it goes pretty well so. and, and i already know one of the things that she's getting me at least i assume she's getting for me since she was asking my brother about it over thanksgiving and i could hear her in the other room <laughs> asking about it Not- it's a racing related thing it's like you know those headsets have like bluetooth and yeah. you, know, you can listen it's like one of the not like a scanner like a fancy you yeah. know several hundred dollar but I, I think it's probably like 75 bucks did you did you yell from that i can hear you yeah no i did i was like <laughs> I, I told her i was like yeah i could hear what you're asking about Every- she's like really and i'm like yeah you don't know how to whisper like <laughs> how many times do i have to tell you <laughs> like she was like but you were in the kitchen i was in the the living room and i'm like yeah i could hear you because you can't whisper you can't you're she's like i was whispering I'm like capable no, of whispering she's incapable <laughs> so well we wish all our our listeners a merry christmas happy new year final show as you mentioned of 2022 and uh we'll do a, a bit of a review but also looking ahead to hopefully your happy times in IndyCar in 2023. We can hope, right? It's the yeah. the time of optimism. I yeah, guess. of course. And sure. we look ahead to 2023 and uh, I, I guess a few takeaways from 2022 before we look ahead. We're going to do like our IndyCar wish list and we'll pick five things each that we wish for in 2023. Some of them will probably be similar, which is not a surprise. Uh, but you look at 2022, obviously you had... Some interesting storylines. First time any 500 winner. Will Power winning his second championship, which is crazy to think it took him that long to get 
his right. second championship, let alone took him a long time to get his, his Indy 500 win. I mean, he's been good for so long and, um, competitive. Yes. I, I think there were tracks where we thought they wouldn't race well, that they did race well and vice versa. Um, but I think the biggest positive was just the consistency in the schedule and Iowa coming back and being a success, I think was probably the storyline. It was good. Consistency in the consistency in the schedule. You had a decent championship race, a decent Indianapolis 500 with some excitement. Uh, it was all kind of, it, it was nothing to really, really get you floor, absolutely floored or shocked or surprised or happy, but it was also not coming out of a year where you felt totally dejected. Even after the last month, two months of a lot of negative stuff, and I'm sure we'll get into it, is you're still looking back at a pretty decent year for IndyCar. I mean, ratings went up. They didn't go up as much as we hoped they would, but they went up, and you had a decent season. No major issues in terms of injuries. And so, by and large, a lot to be thankful for. But as it goes, we'll talk more about the negative, I'm sure, than the positive. Oh, yeah. And there was a negative story that came out this week surrounding IndyCar and iRacing and their licensing agreement coming to an end at the end of this year. I've never done iRacing. Me neither. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this. Is it a bad look? Yes. Is it as bad as everyone's saying on social media? No. Probably not. But it is something where you can get any car in front of people and and taking that away is not necessarily a good thing. When you're a sport that's starved for any eyes on, on your sport and you put yourself in a position where you could potentially lose those eyes, it's a bad look. And for IndyCar... Basically, what it comes down to is they made an exclusivity deal with Motorsport Games that canceled everything else out. And from what I understand, NASCAR has its exclusivity clause for video games with certain entities, but it also has different uh, deals with iRacing and all that other stuff. So this is very unique in the fact that IndyCar is putting all its eggs in one basket in Motorsport Games. And as recently as last week, talking about talking to Adam Stern on the podcast, a lot of uncertainty with motorsport games and IndyCar going forward. Do we see that game in May? How good is it? Is it a dumpster fire? Is it quality? Is it anything in between? So what we're seeing is a a vocal minority with the iRacing crew, but it is also very much an asset to IndyCar in the sense that it brings people in that may be then interested in the sport. I don't think that's, there's no way of denying that. And it's just another disconnect between IndyCar and younger demographics because the majority of people that do iRacing are young people that then may fall in love with IndyCar and watch it. So once again, another strike in the category of old um, traditional set in their ways my way or the highway type attitude that we're seeing with the IndyCar current ownership. I'm not saying that they're unwilling to learn, but they're also advanced in their age and 
back in my day type mentality right and and no connection whatsoever to younger demographics and this is this is just another um you know check mark in the category of indycar is out of touch with young fans in 2022 2023 yeah and i think that's that's the biggest thing is just making sure you're trying new things and and being a part of iRacing is just a way to get in front of a different audience look iRacing, we, we've sponsored iRacing events with the podcast as a way to get in front of a new audience. And for those of you who discovered the podcast via iRacing, welcome. We're glad yes. you're here. Like, and that'll it, continue, by the way. Yeah, regardless. yeah, correct. That will continue. And you just have to be open to, to new ideas. And I think this offseason with all the negative news about marketing and IndyCar saying they're making a significant investment, as we talked about last week, in the marketing and you know, we don't know how much money that is. We don't know how much money they invested before. They're they're not going to tell us, but it sounds like they're trying to do some new things, and that's a start. But we need to continue to see growth in that area. Yeah, we absolutely do. And we brought it up on on Twitter, and it, it kind of blew it up, blew up of sorts in terms of of a comment that we made. And 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 I'll read it for word from word. Is is IndyCar needs an infusion of young, dynamic. Diverse personalities into its brain trust and less old dudes unwilling to recognize and embrace change. That's the big thing is I know, Caleb, you know, certain people in the IndyCar brain trust that are older than us. And trust us, we're out of touch with what demographic or younger demographics are into more me than you, but we're both advancing in that age that that's a younger group that you need to tackle. And I'm not going to pretend to know all the the solutions to try to grab those people and let alone people that are 20, 30, 40 years older than I am. And it has very much become when you look at it from the outside in is a lot of older uh, lack of uh, diversity people that are in control and making decisions of IndyCar in marketing and communications and everything that goes into the series. And it's costing IndyCar dearly in terms of the younger demographics and this iRacing deal, which somebody signed months ago and it said, okay, motorsport games. Yeah, we're all in. Didn't read the fine print. Didn't understand what that meant. And iRacing reached out and, and we've seen that on message board September August reached out to IndyCar and say, "Hey, this is a this is something that's coming up at the end of the year." Never heard back. Finally, IndyCar after the outcry yesterday, as we record this on Thursday, Wednesday, the outcry that came out and 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 IndyCar responds with a bland statement and saying, "Oh, we value all this blah 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 and all the BS that was put out there." Is nothing's changing and you're losing this avenue. And it's once again another missed opportunity and a lack of real comprehension of what this series needs to do to be relevant to younger demographics is a disappointment. And I I guarantee you, if you took the median age of the brain trust in IndyCar, you're hovering around 50, 55 years old. And that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You're not going to be able to be in touch with the younger demographic of people with a bunch of old dudes calling the shots, plain and simple. Marketing is about attracting a younger audience, right? I mean, isn't that the new goal? audience, new people. So people can 
be bigger spenders as they get older. Yes. You, you got to capture them when they're young, right? And this is, this is, this is the uh, reality of how marketing works and being in journalism for a long time and in newspapers in particular, you understood this because it was a very old demographic that was your primary audience. And that's what you're losing. You're looking at with IndyCar as well. And the conversations ad nauseum was how do we capture younger demographic of people in print media? And you would try everything to try to get them, whether it was pictures and videos and, and snippets on, on social media and all this stuff. But it was trying something and it just doesn't even appear to me on the outside that IndyCar even values that question that says, how do we uh, really cater to the younger demographics? And I think it's a bunch of old people trying to make those decisions as opposed to hiring people that are actually in those demographics to make those decisions. That's really what it feels like. And that's like Indy next. That feels like somebody that's in a corner office at 63 years old saying, I'm going to take the E out of next. And this is a hip new thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Doesn't it's, it? It's trying. It seems like hard. something our dad would come up with. <laughs> yeah. Or even us yes. at this point at our age is, <laughs> Hey, that's hip, right? I'm going to show up and take the E out of this. And it's NXT. And you're going, you know, dad, just go away. That's really what it feels like. Doesn't it? <laughs> it, it, also let alone the fact that they didn't think that oh there's like a wrestling series that's very popular that's already trademarked probably yeah Um, the whole thing yeah the the iRacing thing I think the the biggest disappointment is oh yeah you'll you'll continue to be able to there'll be little change however the the fact of the matter is yeah you can still race the IR18 which is the car on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway but you won't be able to have officially sanctioned events like the iRacing Indy 500, which is the, a huge draw right, every year deal. In, in sim racing. Or so, different tracks they can't, that IndyCar They can't races. even broadcast those yeah. races that use the IR18, DW12, or IR05. So, so, so a lot of the popular series... So correct me if I'm wrong. There. Maybe a couple uh, you know, a couple years ago when they had the iRacing series, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be able to be a thing right well, now. Well, yeah, because IndyCar doesn't... Yeah, they're not they like licensed. They don't license so, it. It's... And you can't broadcast it. Yeah. And they're so happy, you know, to have this motorsport games thing. Look, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'll believe it when I see it. And it's a quality game. I'm expecting a game to come out in May. I'm not expecting it to be good. I'm not even expecting a game to come out in May. I guess is the, the, my concern because we've seen all the issues that motorsport games has had and you can dive in online, just do an internet search I'm not smart enough to understand all these business terms and everything that's going down, but all it doesn't look positive. When your board of directors resigns, that's not a good sign. Yes. And let's be honest, before all this stuff went down, it's not like Motorsport Games was known to put out really, really good games. Ask NASCAR fans how Motorsport Games has done with that license. Not very good. No. So th- that's the drama with iRacing. Okay, let's let's get to, I guess, the positive wishful thinking that we have okay, going sure. into... 2023 so we'll pick five and look some of these are probably going to be similar so we'll just expand upon it i think the number one thing that i'm looking for in 2023 is very simple higher tv ratings continue that's a to wish go list up. right yeah. yeah that's a wish list so uh is there a specific number you're looking for or anything is good up is up yeah i think i'm looking for all the network races to get a million plus oh and it, I mean, it's attainable. It's, yeah, these are attainable. Possible. These are attainable numbers. And then for the Indy 500 to be closer to the numbers in, in 2021 than they were in 2022. So Indy 500 to be up significantly 
over this year's race uh, because the TV ratings were not great. Now, granted, the crowd in person was great uh, since it's the first time right. it was fully accessible cool. since 2019, but you're really hoping for a big increase in TV rating, and I know that comes down to the raceability of this car on ovals, which has been not very good since the addition of the, uh, the arrow screen, but I think the number one thing that I'm wishing for is increased TV ratings because TV ratings that helps everything else. Yes, it does. And in the core of everything, as we've talked about Caleb and to your credit, I will give you credit for this wish list is if there's more people watching then everything else becomes more attainable. Yeah. Look what we've seen out of F1. I just saw today or yesterday that the athletic is hiring an F1 writer. Really? Yeah. Will they travel? I would assume. I wonder. Yeah. That's I, big I mean, time. they're they're global. The athletic was bought up by what the New York Times, I think, earlier this year. And the popularity of F1 in the US exceeds that of IndyCar right now. Now oh, it does. Totally. I, I don't know if that's sustainable long term. I think we'll see how it plays out as people say, this is cool to watch, but it's not accessible. I think that will eventually catch up to them and what they've done in the US. Dakota, Miami, and then next year, Vegas, two out of the three races being well outside the price range for the average fan. But I'll, I'll, push, I'll see if that catches yeah, up to I'll, them. I'll push back on that a little bit because okay. I think, and I've, I've changed my tune here with Formula One, is it definitely is unattainable for a lot of people to go, and it's very expensive. But I think people gravitate towards that. Look at look at what's popular with pop culture in this country is celebrity news. True. Is all these people that are have monumentally more more money and status than any of us will ever have, and you're fascinated by what they do, who they're with, what they eat, where they live, all this stuff. And I think that sense of inaccessibility to formula one is a perverse desire for people to pay attention to it is i'm never going to be a part of that and it's exciting to me and i attain i i contribute it to how people are with celebrities is it, you're never going to be the glamour right yeah the glitz and the glamour and the i'm never going to live that life but I want to be a part of that in any way possible. So I'm going to read the magazines. I'm going to watch the races in terms of the, the, the transition between celebrities and formula one. I think it's a turn on for people and a desire for people to be a fan of something that is unattainable to them. People say, Oh, the paddock availability, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the movies in the sense that it's an escape from your reality. So F1 can be like that escape. Yes. And racing, to be fair, is glamorous. Like, yes, it, it also can be very damaging and yeah. sad, but when everyone is healthy and then even the crashes, when everyone walks away, you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like, these yeah. are modern daredevils, if you will. Like, it's a modern coliseum. That's what racing kind of has become. Right. And, and so that that is appealing. It's a draw. It's a draw. And... Y- Okay, it's great for you to, oh, I, people say, I can go right in the paddock or I can go right into pit lane and walk around and it's great. But I also think that people, when you look at, when you're watching a Formula One race and you see David Beckham and Tom Cruise and Megan Thee Stallion and all these people on pit lane and walking around is, oh my gosh, this is a huge thing. 
Patrick Mahomes, a.k.a. Paolo Bancaro. Yeah, so this is a huge deal that I can't be a part of, and that's appealing to me. And I know it's like some perverse mindset, but you look at, let's say, the Emmy Awards, and it's the exact same thing, is there's a bunch of celebrities. Oh, my gosh, this is a huge deal that I have zero part of, but I'm fascinated by it because I I want to see who wins this award or who's wearing this dress or who's with this person. Is That's what it is with Formula One. We've been told to care about it, essentially. Yes. And you look at it, and because these celebrities or these people are there and you can't get in there that means it's important it's the the whole you can't have it but you want to get as close as you can to it exactly and and that's why people that 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 claim well why would you like formula one when you can get in right into the paddock or right into the to pit lane with indycar is it it it, it's not a you and me thing it's a status thing indycar is attainable f1 is unattainable which is cool for you and me, mm-hmm. but for the normal person, oh, I can go walk around with these cars or a Formula One. I can't even get in there. That must be crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the whole thing, right? That's that's the appeal. That's the, um, the celebrity type thing. It's the red carpet type thing is, oh my gosh, that's exclusivity. I can't and get in there. That's the, cool. the celebrities there. Yes. So if IndyCar can get the TV ratings where... Not that you want to make it unattainable, because I think the access to the drivers and the series for fans is a huge positive compared to NASCAR and Formula One. You don't want to get rid of that, but you do want to make it seem exclusive. And you can do things while making it affordable while also making it exclusive. And obviously in Iowa, right? Are we trying to see that with Iowa with 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 the ticket costs? Yeah. And and again, increased TV ratings means more money for ads means more money for everyone look it just means that there's we more have buzz. interest everything yes yep. so again my first wish plain and simple tv ratings going up now i'm I'm not asking for them to go up an absurd amount that'd be great but just yeah. you want to see year over year improvement and i think that is attainable what's your what's your first big wish uh first big wish and doesn't mean it's my number one big wish it's the one that comes to my head i want to see mm-hmm. joseph newgarden win the indianapolis 500 yeah um He's not getting old per se, but I think we're reaching that point where you start worrying if it's ever going to happen for Joseph Newgarden. And it's hard to believe that's not more of a conversation, right? Like you would think that's going to be more of a conversation with how good he's been as a driver since coming to Penske. I mean, not that he was bad before, but I mean, his championship finishes since coming to Penske every year. He's top two, top three. So I mean, this is a guy who's really, really good. In fact, his worst finish at Penske was fifth. Otherwise, he's been first or second. Three straight seconds in the series. But at Indy, outside of 2016, no when he finished third, that's his only only podium, even though I know they don't have a podium at Indy. And, and yes, he had three straight top tens with two of them being top fives, 2019 and 2020. But it was never really in the conversation. For, for wins there. And and Penske's really struggled since Penske himself took over the Speedway in the series. And his top finish wasn't even with Team Penske. It was in his final year with Ed Carpenter Racing. And yes. That was the third in 2016. And look, I, I understand it with Joseph Newgarden. He's still, what, 31 years old. Uh, he'll turn 32, actually, today. Happy birthday, Joseph Newgarden. <laughs> yeah, happy How about birthday. that? <laughs> uh, just, he's 32 today, really, honestly. 
And he's a guy that, yes, has a lot of years in front of him still with IndyCar, but he's starting to reach that age where you start getting a little concerned. When you're in your 20s, mid-20s, oh, he's he's a great driver. It's going to come. Eventually, it's inevitable. Now you're 32 years old. And 32 can turn into 38 really quick. And 38 turns into 44 really quick. And all I'm saying is... Uh, He has a great opportunity now to do it for Team Penske. Is he around with Team Penske for another eight to ten years? I mean, anything's possible. Uh, Who knows? Um, And so I, I personally hope every every May we always go into the shortlist is Joseph Newgarden, right? And we have to factor in the struggles for for Team Penske the last couple years at Indy. But it always seems like entering May, plenty of people are picking Joseph Newgarden. And now he's 32 years old, folks. He's getting up there in terms of of racecraft and race age. And he's got a lot of years in front of him, but it can end in an instant. All it takes is one injury, right? And so you'd like to see Joseph Newgarden pick up that win at Indianapolis to cement him as one of the best drivers of his generation in 2023. That's on my wish list. Well, and and look, Marcus Erickson... Um, was what thirty one when when he won this year? Yeah, he That's was up on there. The, he's he was he's an older 32 rookie now. Yeah, he was an older but, for a rookie a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but to win this year, I mean, he's been one of the younger guys before that. Elio Sato Simon was in his mid thirties by the time he won. Well, Power Sato again. Rossi obviously the exception. Then Montoya, Hunter A, Kanan, Frankiti, uh, Dan Weldon. It's an older group, of course. That Frankiti wins this again. race. Elio Dixon. I mean, you. The last handful of years, you've been, you've had guys again outside of Erickson. Majority have been in their forties when That's they've true. won, so or close. So it's become an older man's game. You get more experience. You learn the tricks. You learn everything. And Newgarden's very talented. Do I think he wins at any five hundred before it's all said and done? Yes, yes, I do. I would just love as a Joseph Newgarden fan to get that win out of the way as opposed to entering your mid, late 30s, early 40s, still chasing that elusive first win. And that's a guy you can absolutely market. You just got to find a way to, to get him out there and get in front of the right people. Yes. Not well, that you can't market any, you know, any of these guys or, or gals, but it's... These drivers are marketable. You just have to tap into it. Some of them are easier than others. And yes. Joseph Newgarden makes it easy. Absolutely. All right. Your second on yes. your wish list. Second on my wish list, Milwaukee Mile announced really? for the 2024 schedule. And your third is Michigan and your fourth <laughs> is Cleveland. No, fifth, fifth is Fontaine. No, <laughs> no, no. No, no I, I think that in particular, look, fans have been clamoring for this to come back. It looks like a possibility with the truck, is it truck series it's going to be racing there they approve funds for improvements as well i want to see it announced next year in 2023 that indycar will return to the milwaukee mile in 2024 i think this is a possibility i really do um and i hope that the series continues to market these events and make them big events add a lot of Look, you either have to do concerts or a ton of on-track action for ovals to work outside of the Indy 500, which has all the pre-race stuff 
and it's just a big event. People want to be at a big event, be seen and, and seen at a big event. So I think adding Milwaukee, I mean, that's a positive step as far as the evolution of the schedule. And I'm not saying you need to go back to all these places, but you need to find a balance. And, and I think my next wish, put the Milwaukee mile back on the schedule. That's a, a positive sign of growth and also of just learning how to make ovals work. And that would be a sign of that, in my opinion, because that means you're adding an oval. And my thing, too, was it would be anybody out there that has asked, clamored for, begged, prayed for the Milwaukee Mile to be back on the schedule, better get off their ass and go to that race. And I've been there twice. So So not talking to you. Yeah, I've... I, I would like to go again. It's it, Milwaukee's a great town to visit yeah. too. I don't want to hear anything moaning and groaning about cost, about tickets, about prices, about time of the day. I don't want to hear it. If Milwaukee's back on the schedule, shut up and go. Because plenty of you people out there have been wanting Milwaukee back. And if it is, look, IndyCar's tried this before with the Andretti Promotions Group. You can argue whether it was a great idea or not in terms of their approach, but the fact is they brought IndyCar back to Milwaukee and it failed because people didn't show up. Because people didn't like the time of day it was and where it was and the other things going on is, look, you're there to watch an IndyCar race. If it's that important to you, then go to the race. And if it comes back and fails again, then I have no desire whatsoever to go back to Milwaukee. And I don't feel any any uh, remorse to anybody that's upset about it. If you don't go, if you don't support it, then shut up. Rant, rant <laughs> over? You're fired I'm up? I'm just saying. I mean, everybody clamors for these for these ovals and then nobody shows up. And yeah. I, I know people are upset by, by, by Iowa and the prices, and I get that. But at the same time, if you want it to be successful and swallow your pride or swallow and it sucks i have to pay 400 500 for a couple of seats for a week you're supporting the sport in the end it's important to the sport and the viability of the sport just pay the money pay the man thing. pay the man all right what's i don't necessarily your... agree with it but just pay the man what's your number two i want to see a plan for mindycar in 2023 i want to see what jay fry used to have before roger penske took over is in three years we're going to have this in five years we're going to have this in seven years we're going to have this this is what we're looking at 10 years out i want a plan we have not gotten a plan since roger penske took this thing over and he bought it out i understand that he was trying to save the sport save the series i appreciate him for that that's two years ago that's yesterday's news okay what have you done the last two years to grow this sport and I need to see a plan. And whether that's engine formula, that's chassis, whether it's new events, whether it's any type of uh, push for diversity or women, whatever, uh, the initiatives, I need to see a plan. Because I'm not buying that IndyCar has one in the current state. Jay Fry could have been blowing it out his, his ass at this point but at least he was saying he had a plan and it seemed to be falling into place and you could find some um, positives in that as going moving forward. But right now we're directionless at this point. We have no plan. There may be an internal plan 
I kind of question if there is or not. It, yeah, we don't is. we don't know of a one year plan, a two year, a three year, a four year, a five year, what, ten year. What does this sport look like in twenty twenty six? Almost like they need a marketing plan. Man. Right? Wouldn't that be wild? 2028, 2030, 2035. What does this look like? Announce some sort of initiative, IndyCar 2030. What does IndyCar look what like? What does IndyCar look like? We had it with the Indianapolis 500, right? With the yeah. 108th anniversary. Yes. And this is what it looked like. And as much as I appreciate Roger Penske and what he's done, so much, arguably too much focus has gone on the Indianapolis 500 and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I understand that both of those pretty much subsidize the rest of the series and maybe it's approach of i need to solidify those things before i worry about the rest and that's understandable but they're solidified but they're yeah at this point you're fine so what about the rest of the series and we've heard about roger penske say the goal was to make the series profitable outside of the indianapolis 500 i don't know if that's possible yeah i i don't know either but what's the plan to get there or what's the plan to push new technologies? What's the plan to open up engine regulations at least a, at least a little bit to lure in a third engine manufacturer? What is the plan for this series in the next three, five, ten years? I would love to see that in 2023. I'm going to stick to the schedule. Uh, I also want to see in 2023 an international race. And I'm not talking Canada. They already raced there. An international race announced for IndyCar in 2024, whether it's Mexico, Argentina, somewhere else that's willing to pay a ton of money to send IndyCar there and make it a worthwhile event. I want to see that because I want to see IndyCar get back to those events because A, that means there's a draw outside of North America. And also that means that IndyCar can find a way to to have profitable events outside the Midwest that you can count on and And, expand the schedule, whether it's earlier in the year or later in the year, either one. And maybe be a cash infusion to some of these teams. Yes. I I don't care about going to Australia or uh, maybe Australia is different. I don't care about going to the Middle East. Australia would be a draw in the sense that, you know, you have Will Powers, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin. As long as you're going somewhere that's really popular with IndyCar. So Australia makes sense. New Zealand, of course, makes sense. Argentina makes sense. Middle East or uh, Central America makes sense. Mexico makes sense. If you're going to Dubai just to go to Dubai, that makes no sense to me. If you're going to China just to go to China, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. What I'm talking about is going to a place internationally that makes sense for IndyCar, both financially and also fan-wise in terms of of, of uh, really growing your popularity. And I think that's Australia, that's Argentina, that's anywhere really in South America, it's anywhere right now in, in Central America at this point. I'm not counting Canada much like you, but I agree. I, I would hope in 2023 we have an announcement either Argentina or Mexico. At this point. Yeah, those are those the, are the, the two. two priorities. Anything outside of that, uh, I guess I'd be skeptical unless it's an insane amount of money and the check clears. Yeah, as long as the check clears. It's always a concern. All right, I mean, I would love you? to have a second Canada race, but we're not talking about yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think that's a possibility right now. Unfortunately, I'd love there to be three, to yes. be honest. But uh, the, one is what we have for now. What's your number three? So you took my international races. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll bring up the the elephant in the room with third OEM. Yeah, I knew someone would bring it up eventually. <laughs> somebody had to. Can we have somebody get on board in 2023? Right now, I'm in. I'm, I've never been more skeptical at this point for somebody to to jump on board. Maybe 
the way this thing is gone, maybe the time that you least expect it is it works out similar to a relationship, right? The least expect you're going to meet somebody. It actually turns into something really big. So maybe that's where we're at with IndyCar. The expectations are done. They're low and maybe something will come out of the woodwork. Uh, my wish list, and maybe it's the the most fantastical idea or or opportunity uh, or wish would be a third OEM commit to the series. Yeah, and, and yes, that wouldn't be something that would be in place till what, like probably twenty twenty five four twenty. If you committed in twenty three, it would be at least twenty five. Yeah, and probably twenty six, depending on it, what yeah. time of the year it was. Yeah, but just something to give fans a hope. And I think part of it is just having rigid engine regulations. You have to loosen not, them up a little bit. Yeah, you got to find equivalency type stuff. And look, that's what they do in sports cars, right? And I've, IndyCar used to do that back in the day, you know, with the Buicks and the pop-off valves, all that stuff at Indy. So you just have to find a way to make it work. But you you have to. You have to get someone to lighten the load because the last thing IndyCar can survive right now is Chevy or Honda or both leaving the series. How do you open up the regulations just a little bit to allure a different OEM in without pissing off Chevy and Honda? Because they've been told the longest time is these are the regulations. You have to meet these regulations. So how do you add that wrinkle without pissing them off? Well, and they're also told that, yeah, here's what we have. We we feel confident we're going to get a third. Right. Uh, So So maybe they would be open to it because they're they're shouldering the load. I think they'd be open to it as long as they feel that there's competitive balance. That's what it's always. And they have enough opportunity to then get in front of it if the regulations do indeed change. Yes. So, yeah, we'll see. It's it's an obvious third, but yeah, it was bound to be said. You're number four. Number four. This is where it starts to get a little uh, trickier, but. Uh, this is an obvious one. In 2023, I want to see legitimate bumping of the Indy 500. I'm not talking one or two cars. I'm talking three or more okay. at a minimum. So 36. I yes. think the, the max we're getting right now in the current engine room is 36. Yeah. You want to see 36. I want to see 36. Yeah. Would you, so you're bumping three. Would you bump two? Well, we've seen it before. I mean, yeah, because that's how it's set up, but I'd like to see 36 or more. That's on my yes. wish list. Plain and simple. And we saw 36 in 2019. It's possible. 18 each. Yeah. I wouldn't say probable. I think you can get to 35. Me, I don't know if you can get 36. Uh, we'll see. I think Honda at this point is more willing to go a little bit more. But they'll go to 19. Eh, maybe. You go I mean, 19, 17. Sure. Depends on who's in those seats too. You want to see bumping at least, right? Yeah, and, and I and want I think, to see three or more. That's and, like and, very important because it it just feels like it has a legitimate legitimacy to it. So, uh, unfortunately for me, my thinking is two, probably more realistic, and I guess that gives me enough bumping excitement. Is two? I'd much rather have three. But I think realistically, you have two, thirty-five. All right, what's your number four? I want to see Linus Lundquist in a seat for a considerable amount of time. Not just for Linus Lundquist, because he has earned it, but also for the entire system of the road to Indy, whatever the hell we're supposed to call it, is if the system to develop talent and get them into IndyCar based on performance doesn't equate 
to actually presenting that, then the entire thing falls apart. And for me, Venus Lundquist needs, what do you think, Caleb? Three races at least to be quote unquote fair. Yes. For a guy that has won that they're not just won Indy Lights, dominated Indy Lights. This isn't a guy that just stumbled upon a championship. It's a dude that's dominated the road to Indy and especially Indy Lights. Linus Lundquist doesn't race in at least three IndyCar events in 2023. The system is broken, and that's a problem. That's a big problem for IndyCar. Yeah, it, not having him participate. like He's got to participate in more than just the Indy 500 for me to be satisfied. Correct. Yes. That's a, Even mean, the month of May. Like, does, yeah. I need three minimum. Yes. And it's just like they completely screwed him over. Look, he's clearly talented. I just hope there is a way to make this work. And look, we still have that second coin seat. We're still waiting on along with the second car at Hunkos. Uh, obviously the coin seat is way more likely, right? But we got to see him in a car for more than just a race or two, three minimum. I want to see what he can do. He's clearly talented. He just needs a shot. And unfortunately we saw this with many guys before Pato Ward most recently. And he, he got lucky to get back into it. I mean, it was just he, the right situation fell into his lap with McLaren. Yeah, I did. It worked out for him. But when we look at this entire setup, when we've been fed ad nauseum year after year that this is the the greatest uh, minor league system in autosport, and the problem with, with Europe is eventually you run into Formula 2 and you dominate there and there's just no avenue to Formula 1, and you are in danger of becoming similar to that if your Indy Lights champions are not going to IndyCar. And you can say, well, this is a, a, a merely a, a one-year thing, but one year can turn into multiple years pretty damn quick, and it's going to prevent drivers from coming over because you're seeing so many drivers from Europe come over to try the Indy ladder. And you're also going to... Um, really impact the teams that invest in Indy Lights and knowing they have an opportunity to propel their drivers into the Indianapolis 500 and sponsorship will dry up. So this is a multi-level type thing. This isn't just about Linus Lundquist. This isn't about immediate impact in 2023. This is the 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 actual um, building blocks of the series and the the principles of what this thing was all developed to be about getting drivers into the IndyCar series failing its champions and if you do that then the thing can quickly fall apart my final thing I want to see either Colton Herta or Pato Award win the championship I know everyone's going to talk about F1 aspirations if that happens I don't care I just want to see one of these young guns win it and get the attention on IndyCar. Yeah. Not just from Formula One, but get people in racing, get the attention on them. They're talented. I want to see them close the deal, finish it off, because I think that'd be huge for the series. They're both very marketable, and they're both some of the, the best talents IndyCar has had in quite some time. Uh, I would definitely agree. Take advantage of what you have. This goes to IndyCar marketing in terms of marketing these guys anytime they're in Formula One and FP1s or anything they're in the paddock at Formula One, blow it up, but also you'd love to see them be successful on track. This is what the 
the the two-way street kind of goes with Formula One is you're having people come over from Formula One, but you also want to send a couple drivers to Formula One as well. I would like nothing more than to have some sort of rooting interest in Formula One outside of rooting against certain people and certain drivers and certain teams. So if we can see that, all the merrier. Look, these guys are young guys. Let's take Pato Award, and he even said it. He in his mind thinks, okay, at some point I'm going to go to Formula One, and at some point I'm going to come back to IndyCar because you there's not much longevity in terms of Formula One unless you're winning world championships. So yeah. uh, for these guys, let them go over there and experience it for two, three, four, five years. They'll be back, and I think it's, it can only help IndyCar. Bourdais lasted all of about a season and a half when he went over from Champ Car. Yeah. So that goes to show how tough it is. All right, your final one. I want in 2023, and it would happen to ha- have to happen have to happen in May, is I want to be put in a headlock by Tony Kanaan. <laughs> His this has gone on long enough with our discussion about is he a legend? Is he not a legend? Uh, I love the discussions, the banter we have. I just want the opportunity to walk up to Tony Kanaan and bend at the waist, and him just grab my neck and put me in a headlock. There I have, you have it. I have low expectations for 2023, but that would be at the apex of of IndyCar goals. Is if I can say I've been put in a headlock by Tony Kanaan for not calling him a legendary driver of the sport, then the year is made for me. <laughs> there you have it. There's our our wish list for 2023. Noogie for optional. I'll take it, but headlock <laughs> at least. Headlock at a minimum. If you agree or disagree with our uh, wish list, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale for you. Also, subscribe to the email list. It's free. You'll never miss an episode, plus any special announcements we make. And you can check us out on Patreon. Become a supporter. We have four supporter tiers for you. Patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. All starts as little as $1 a month. Thanks to Xavier Rob and others for their support. You can find us on social media, IndyCar Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just search New Track Record. And you can also email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. Finally, you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you find your podcasts, all for free. All right. Short uh, amount in the mailbag, but uh, we'll roll through. This from C Martin 88. LOL. What's with IndyCar fans not letting this Ford thing go? They're never coming back. Even if things were good here. Correct. Yeah. Not, not probably not in our lifetime. I think it's just further, um, validation that, uh, IndyCar is not very, um, desirable for OEMs right now. Not right now. Uh, Obviously. Because Ford has said no, they've said multiple times. No. And, not only are they saying no to IndyCar, but they're saying maybe to Formula One. And this is a brand that Ford, Ford doesn't, and this is the thing, I, I, I don't know if it was in the mailbag or what is, Ford doesn't need the boost nationally in no. terms of eyes. So IndyCar doesn't really make sense to Ford. But worldwide, if Ford is trying to expand its product uh, overseas continually, Formula One makes all the sense in the world, folks. It just makes makes total lot of sense. Ford doesn't need help selling more F one fifties every year because correct me if I'm wrong. It's like the top highest selling top selling car, truck, minivan, whatever, like ten straight years, something like that. So they don't need help in the United States. They're looking to 
to grow their brand internationally, worldwide. And that's Formula One, folks, not IndyCar. Uh, meanwhile, uh, people commenting and needing an infusion of young, dynamic, diverse personalities into the brain trust. A couple of replies there. Uh, a night underscore 210 will happily take up that job because what they just did is beyond stupid. Talking about the iRacing thing. Jeremy from HPG says, pretty sure I heard that in the correct host's voice. Yeah, that was Justin who tweeted that. So if, if, <laughs> you're, if you're guessing, there's your answer. The correct uh, host is always Caleb, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Hunter's Way 67, as far as new ideas that we've seen under, under Pinsky and new things, says, I'll give them adding Nashville. It's a great market to be in. But yeah, that was well in the works before Pinsky was in charge. And I brought up that point outside of saving the series during COVID. And, and make no mistake, yeah, I'm not marginalizing that whatsoever. Since then, what has Roger Penske and the Penske Corporation done positively for IndyCar? Not IMS, not the Indianapolis 500. I'm saying the series, Indianapolis 500. If you made a list right now, excluding the Indianapolis 500 and IMS and excluding the COVID crisis, positives and negatives, it's a pretty skewed list, in my opinion. What has been the benefit over the last two years that Roger Penske has brought to this series. It's but not very much. Keeping the doors open. It's not very much. I mean, after that, though, like, okay, you did that for us, and we're appreciative, but what have you done for us lately? And right now, it's very little. R. Cole says, from the outside, it doesn't look like they've done a lot to advertise, promote the races anymore than the previous regime, but I'm hopeful there's been a lot of internal changes, like rebuilding a team takes time, so does an entire series. Yeah, the seems to be they're having internal changes for the first time since Penske took over. Is it internal changes? Is it an internal strife? Is there Could a be. direction? Is there a direction list? That's why if we had a plan in place, if we had a, this isn't three years, five years, seven years, ten years, we'd feel a little bit better about where they're at. If there was a plan, maybe there is a plan. Maybe there isn't a plan. We don't know. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Sig Domer says, they've done nothing to expand the series. All Roger did was bring in the grounds crew from Augusta National to Landscape IMS. Oh, yeah, and paint the bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much excitement that I can get with the manicured grass. That That's great. And, yeah, the bathrooms are tremendous. In the end, I'd still just go there to pee. What's it matter? Yeah, true. Right? I true. mean, whether I'm peeing in a urinal or a trough, I'm still just peeing. I'm just trying to um, expel some liquid so I can go get more beer and watch more racing. Playing spades, talking about the iRacing stuff. I know y'all told us not to read the comments, but, man, what is this series doing? Any thoughts? Yeah, we... Kind of shared them earlier, but all in all, I'll be curious if there is some sort of resolution, but I'm not holding my breath. Doesn't sound like IndyCar, anything is imminent right now, and I don't know enough about iRacing to know how big of a deal it is. If you read social media, it's a huge deal, but I think anytime you are alienating anybody that's interested in IndyCar, it's a bad move. That wraps up the mailbag. Time for news and notes. Not a whole lot to get to. I think the leading thing... Uh, a test for Robert Schwartzman, the F2 guy set to test with Ganassi. This, I think, is not obviously not for the oval seat with Marcus Armstrong, but this is a replacement for Alex Pillow, potentially. Right. I don't know if this is a 2023 opportunity as much as we're looking at a 2024 opportunity for Robert Schwartzman. He's the Ferrari Formula One test driver at the moment. Um, Schwartzman, first of a few drivers who will test for Ganassi. No details from the Racer article where the test will be um, set to be in January for the test. Someplace warm, I imagine. Yes. 
one would assume. So also Kyle Busch, he had some comments the other day, latest on trying to do the Indy 500. Bad news, everything has kind of gone dark, he said. Unfortunately, the teams with Chevrolet power plants all kind of have deals lined up. IndyCar racing in general sort of stretched thin on people right now to do a fourth effort. One of those teams to go out and find enough people to do it doesn't make sense and it isn't going to work. McLaren. I know being a race team owner on the truck side, if we want to run a fourth truck, it would really be difficult to do. The people you get to do that aren't people who necessarily travel every week. You know the ins and outs of the racetrack. I understand the dynamic of that. It's not yet the right time. Uh, he's talking about McLaren, and I could see McLaren in 2024. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's kind of the logical next step. Meanwhile, uh, Roman Grosjean says Scott McLaughlin should have an F1 test. Mm. I'd like to see it. I mean, he's had success at every level. Be interesting. Probably needs to have more success at the IndyCar level to get on that radar, but I don't want to say he's um, too old, but he's not in the age range in which Formula One teams are looking for drivers. Unfortunately, that would be correct. I mean, to be honest, like what? who's the last driver over, what, 25 to enter Formula One? I don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't I know mean, either. You're seeing a lot of 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds enter Formula One. There's not a lot of, quote-unquote, veterans entering Formula One. And Scott McLaughlin is what, late 20s? Yeah. So, I mean, that may as well be 50 this point in formula one. So I'm not sure. And I mean, him being with team Penske doesn't necessarily make it necessarily easy to get an F1 test either. He was McLaren. If he was Andretti in a couple years with Andretti global, we imagine they'll be in formula one in some capacity, maybe, but team Penske it's going to be difficult. Uh, Meanwhile, some other news in IndyCar Chevy is shifting their IndyCar effort to a new technical center in North Carolina. This is not really a surprise. It's the GM Charlotte Technical Center in North Carolina. They'll do a lot of R&D stuff in-house there. Article on racer.com. You can get more into the weeds on that one. I mean, that's where everything else is for Chevy. Just makes yes. sense. And, and same, another technical thing. And Marshall Pruitt, uh, storyracer.com. They're introducing new and stronger rear wheel tethers. Way over my head, but good. You know, last thing you need is um, wheels bouncing around. Yes. And IndyCar confirmed the male partnership, that's M-A-H-L-E, for oh, the thanks. development of the hybrid power plants. Pruitt had written about that many months ago. Also, some added information on the test at Thermal yes. that will come up. And no grandstands or seating there, but per the article at Racer.com, those could be added if an event is added for 2024. And it will be streamed. It's just not clear if it's NBC Sports via Peacock or IMS Productions doing something internally across IndyCar and their social media channels. Plus, also confirmed, IndyCar's drivers will spend Tuesday and Wednesday and preseason media days in Palm Springs. You got to remember NASCAR is at at the LA Coliseum that weekend. So IndyCar's trying to get in on that. And look, motorsports media is already going to be heading out there. So this is just a way to, to get more attention. It's... Look, you don't need to have the media days in Indy every year. And I Correct. think this test is a way to get attention. Look, they got a lot of attention out of the CODA test several years ago. So this is the same kind of thing, in my opinion. I hope it works out. And the thing in thermal, I have my trepidations about it. 
if it brings in some movers and shakers with a lot of money and a lot of interest in IndyCar, then it's worth it. So we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Zach Brown reveals Lena Norris wants future tilt at Indianapolis 500, playing an F1 article. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that ever actually happens. Believe it when I see it. And then a couple other quick notes. Uh, tickets on sale for the Tyrac Battle on the Bricks IMSA sports car event at IMS. You can get your tickets there. Plus, the schedule is out for SRX. Thursday night. Yes. Now, we Thursday about night last week. on ESPN. So that, that will be interesting. Something we'll be sure to check out. All right. Tweets of the week time. And really just one tweet that stood above the rest. IndieSoup.com on Twitter. Opens Twitter. It looks for IndyCar News. Opens Photoshop. High fee as opposed to <laughs> high V. Same logo. Hey. Great stuff. Yes, absolutely. All right. Random split error driver of the week time. Going with a guy that uh, is familiar, is an unfamiliar, familiar guy, if that makes sense, in John Erb. Yes. And uh, a guy that's been around multiple seasons from 2000 to, I want to say, 2002, he was around, and then mid-2000s, made a couple of appearances for, in 2007, racing professionals. Remember the racing professionals? No, I do Me not. Either. That was, I remember that was John Del, Herb's team. I remember Playa Del Racing in 2006, though. That was the racing professionals. I think you could use professionals uh, pretty liberally <laughs> at that point. Uh, finished 32nd at Indy and 20th at Texas in 2007. But his best season... I guess you could say would be in 2001 with TriStar Motorsports. He raced in four races that year and oh, six races, excuse me, did a couple races with PDM racing, a high finish of ninth at the second Texas race in 2001. And that was his lone top 10. I want to say. Yes, it was his lone top 10. Unfortunately for John Herb. Uh, different things are making him uh, popular or unpopular at this point. Uh, racing in the, in the IRL, racing ARCA, but was also and is a convicted sex offender. And this is a big deal. Is In 2013, he was charged with numerous counts of possession of child pornography. Irv's wife reportedly went to a police station after finding pictures of nude girls on Irv's laptop. Photos on the laptop also allegedly depicted Irv engaged in sexual acts with a girl who appeared to be four years old. This is insanity. Uh, in 2016, pleaded no contest, blah, blah, blah. Sentenced to 25 years in prison. Under current Florida law, he is required to serve at least 85% of his prison sentence. So John Erb uh, in jail. And yeah. for good reason. Yes. Uh, as uh, somebody that was uh, not a good dude, from what it sounds like, off the track. But a guy that on track raced or the uh, Bird McCormick Racing for TriStar Racing and his own team, Racing Professionals. 16 starts, zero wins, zero poles, and his top finish of ninth at Texas 2 in 2009. And wait, 2001. One. Excuse me. And currently in jail, this week's Random Split Air Driver of the Week, Mr. John Erb. I think that's the first time we've done a Random Split Air Driver of the Week where they're currently in jail. Oh, you know, maybe that's something we'll do a spinoff is current IndyCar drivers of the week in jail. I mean, I didn't think we had one, but we have one. We'll start there. Yeah. (laughs) There there you have it. (laughs) There you go. Something to cheer you up around the holiday season, Mr. John Herb. It's a random slayer driver of the week. We'll take a couple of weeks off. We'll be back the, what, the second week of January. So probably January 12th. That's when we will return 
for you after taking a, a break for the holidays as we do every year. There's not a whole lot going on anyway. So we'll be back with you January 12th or thereabouts before or after. Thanks for joining us as we wrap up 2022 here on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.